I have to be honest with you, I do not have a green thumb, nor am I a very good bread maker. I've attempted both of these throughout my years and haven't found much success. I planted an herb garden once and seemed to grow more weeds than I did herbs. And I was given a bread maker when Angela and I got married almost 20 years ago. And for most of those years, it sat under our cabinet completely unused. But I finally decided to attempt to make fresh baked bread for the first time. Now, I don't know about you, but there's nothing better for me than freshly baked bread. And so I did, and I, I did what it said to do, and I inserted the yeast packet into it, but for some reason my bread didn't turn out the way that it was supposed to. It didn't rise, and so I had to throw it completely out. My failures in both of these endeavors led me to give up rather than to try again. Today, as we come to the Gospel of Luke, particularly our scriptures today about the kingdom of God, we find Jesus speaking in parables to us about it. In doing so, he uses what would have been common to everyday Jews to speak about the grandness of God's reign and rule. He speaks about planting and baking. Jesus says this, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus shares these two parables about planting and baking to help his disciples, those in the synagogue, and even those who are opposing him to grasp the glorious nature of God's kingdom. So it's important to know that these two parables should not be divorced from their context of which they are shared. Last week, we talked about Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath day who happened to have a shriveled hand. And then Jesus went on to heal a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. Matthew painted a picture of Jesus caring for the sick and speaking of the kingdom of God coming upon those who were healed and even in judgment of the Pharisees who tried to sway the people to believe that Jesus' acts were of the devil. Today, Luke tells us that Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath day that was crippled for 18 years and could not straighten up her frame. The Pharisees immediately reprimand Jesus for doing so, and it prompts Jesus to call out their own hypocrisy. Jesus says to them, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? These two parables today follow this discourse as Jesus seeks to correct their understanding of God's kingdom. Jesus' actions on the Sabbath day are consistent with the truth of God's kingdom realities despite what his opponents choose to believe. It's not the first time that Jesus has used a mustard seed to teach. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells his disciples that if they had the faith the size of a mustard seed, they could command this mountain to move, and it would. In this instance, Jesus speaks of a mustard seed that is planted by a man in a garden. 
we know that a mustard seed is one of the tiniest seeds that could be planted. And yet when it grows, it becomes a bush or a tree that provides refuge to the birds who come and perch on its branches. There's no doubt that something so small growing into something so large is a miracle. But the mustard tree provides more than just refuge and shade to birds. It was often used for therapeutic care. You see, mustard seed was used as an anti-inflammatory that could help relieve bronchitis and arthritis, digestive issues, and even sore throats. This large bush would provide more than enough for one family to use in a curative manner. Now, Jesus doesn't speak of it in terms of its healing, but we have to remember that Luke, the writer of this gospel, is a physician and that he would have known, just as Jesus would have known, and even those who heard Jesus tell this parable would have known what the mustard tree was commonly used for. And it would kind of make sense that Jesus is speaking about healing since he just healed a woman from her infirmity, but I'm sure that Jesus wasn't just speaking about physical healing, but also spiritual healing. This woman, once she was healed by Jesus, praised God the moment that it took place, knowing that it was God who had performed this miracle through him. Not only was she physically healed, but her faith was also strengthened because God had responded to her cries. This moment of healing was much like a mustard tree that provided a healing balm to relieve her pain, and in the process it welcomed all those in the synagogue to perch in its branches as they not only saw what transpired, but rejoiced in the wonderful things that Jesus was doing. But Jesus also compares the kingdom of God to yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Interestingly enough, yeast or leaven was considered to be negative, not positive. Leaven is produced by storing dough from a previous day and then adding juices to it to promote fermentation. It was ready when it bubbled up and produced a a sour smell. Now, once it's mixed into the bread and to the dough, it's invisible, but its effect is visible to everyone when the bread actually rises. And the bread produced would be shared with the family, for it was a daily practice to bake bread. Didn't Jesus himself teach his disciples to pray, Give us this day our daily bread? Earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he tells them this. He says, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. You see, here Jesus speaks of the Pharisees' teaching as infectious, like yeast that mixes in and corrupts the whole batch. Even the Apostle Paul speaks like this, saying in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may have a new unleavened batch as you really are. But in our particular passage today, in this parable, Jesus is not speaking of yeast in negative terms. Here he speaks of yeast of the kingdom of God, which is a good thing. It's in opposition to the yeast of the Pharisees who oppose his good works of healing on the Sabbath day. 
Instead of rejoicing of God's miraculous healing of a woman oppressed by years of pain, they used the law as a means of judgment against Jesus. But Jesus challenges their hypocrisy, the infectious yeast that they have, with his own infectious yeast that is hidden in a ridiculously large amount of dough, 60 pounds of it to be exact. And the Greek word used here, crypto, actually means to hide or to conceal. It doesn't translate to mix. Now, cryptology is a secret code, uh, is secret code making. And in English, we speak of it in terms of encryption as something that's being put in something that's hidden. Most of us think about it in terms of like computer software or malware that infects our computers. It's hidden. We can't see it, but it's there doing something. Here in this passage, the woman hides the yeast into the dough, knowing good and well that it will affect the whole batch. You see, Jesus often speaks of things being hidden that will eventually be revealed. He talks about being the light of the world and the importance of putting a lamp on its stand instead of putting it under a bowl. And then he says in Mark 4.22, For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. The kingdom of God is infectious. It's often hidden or unseen by many, but it will eventually be seen in all of its glory as good and miraculous. In fact, the life of Jesus is a testament to this truth. Many didn't initially come to believe that Jesus was Lord and Messiah, but Jesus' teachings, his, his ministry, and all of his healings were like yeast that infected many hearts. And over time, faith came to, to the forefront as many Jews and even the Gentiles became believers and the church started and continued to grow. Jesus himself declared that he is the bread of life, which provides real sustenance to everyone who comes to faith in him. And if you read the other parables that Jesus gives us in the Gospels, you'll find that their truths allude to both of these parables today. That the kingdom of God seeks to promote healing to the brokenness that exists in our world. We find this in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector as the tax collector begs for God's mercy and recognizes his own unworthiness. And so the justified one is not the self-righteous, the Pharisee in this parable, but the self-repentant, the tax collector. We also see this in the parable of the prodigal son when the father welcomes the wayward child back home despite his disobedience and wastefulness of the inheritance he was given. We see this in the parable of the Good Samaritan when the least likely person stops to help an injured enemy and cares for all his needs despite the culture that promoted separation and even hatred. Healing takes place physically and spiritually as Jesus tells these parables which helps us see and live into the kingdom of God in our world. But we also find that the kingdom of God is extravagant and generous, as both parables also show us. Jesus shares a parable of the great banquet in which those invited made excuses to come. So the host changed who he invited to come. He sent invitations to the poor and to the crippled and to the lame and to the blind to come and eat at his feast. 
The parable of the prodigal son also shows extravagance as the father stops his workers from working in the fields so that they can throw a huge party with music and dancing and stakes for everyone as he adorns his son with the best robe and ring and sandals. And the parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep remind us of the extravagance of the angels in heaven rejoicing over just one sinner who repents. You see, these stories are all reminiscent of the 60 pounds of flour baked for just a small family. I find that Jesus' teaching is also rooted in the Old Testament, particularly in one of the most memorized psalms in the Psalter. You know it, Psalm 23. We know it as the shepherd's psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, or the Lord is our shepherd, we say. But if we look specifically at verses 5 and 6, we might see something interesting. It reads, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you catch what the psalmist said? God's table is prepared for us, and we find ourselves sitting at this table that includes those that we thought were our enemies. In other words, we might just be surprised by those who were seated next to, those who have experienced the leaven of Christ and who are included in the kingdom of God. For the Pharisee, it would be the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the sinners who sit next to them. And for all of these sinners, the bad leaven would have been the Pharisees who condemned them. It also says that our heads will be anointed with oil, the soothing medicinal balm used for healing that God provides for us. And in addition, it says that our cup is overflowing I mean, what an extravagantly generous and wasteful thing to do to pour the cup beyond full. But this is rooted in God's gracious provision that the kingdom generously bestows. So as we reflect on the good news of the kingdom of God, we are reminded today that we don't have to be master gardeners or a food network baker to participate in what Jesus speaks about in regards to the kingdom. You see, he used common things like gardening and baking to help us see the grandness and the glory of the kingdom. But he simply says that it is like a man and like a woman who did something that seemed so small, so insignificant, and yet it resulted in something miraculous. Now, the miracle is not produced because of their great skill. The miracle comes from God's power to take their small efforts of faith and to allow growth that provides more than enough for others. You see, the kingdom of God is present. As Jesus said, it has come upon us whenever we are responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in acts of healing and reconciliation of extravagant and generous hospitality. When we do these things, we sow seeds of faith and inject good leaven that can affect all of the dough. We don't have to be the Savior we already have one in Jesus Christ. Instead, we are called to respond in gratitude to our good shepherd who has pursued us with his love and grace and has called us into his life and mission together. 
And in faithful response, we trust in God to bless our small and even insignificant efforts that bring to light the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. In addition, God goes beyond our mediocre expectations and produces life-changing transformation that only God can provide. So friends, today, my prayer is that we would be intentional and prayerful about the ways in which we can be faithful as we promote healing and reconciliation, to be extravagantly generous and hospitable in a various number of ways that together we might show the love and grace of Jesus Christ to others. In doing so, God's kingdom is present and actively working like yeast in the dough, which may or may not be seen in our lifetime. But the good news is that one day when we enter into the kingdom of heaven, we will find ourselves at the glorious, extravagant banquet surrounded by all of the saints. And we may just come to find out that the seeds of faith that we've planted here on this earth have resulted in God's glorious acts of grace, of mercy, and of transformation as we recognize the faces of those we've served sitting around the table with us. So friends, let us be intentional and prayerful about participating in this glorious kingdom work together, even in small and what seems to be insignificant ways. We have the ability to sow seeds of faith, to provide leaven that affects all of the dough together in which God can work a miracle in and through our small efforts for His glory. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.